I'm genuinely curious at what you think it takes to be able to sit in, you know, kind of a tutelage like that or a t uh, under that kind of leadership and be okay with that. So I, I think this is abusive. I'll be clear about that. I don't know what you do with that when it's compared and juxtaposed in the person of Jesus, right? So it's like when you see that, like, the... Uh, the embrace that Jesus has for people. Yeah, so some of this, like, it stops being funny pretty quick. So there's a full nuanced conversation that we just had in five minutes, yeah. uh, which is something I, I would be willing to bet my bottom dollar that this guy has never had. Religion should never be a shield for abuse. Welcome everybody to Kingdom Thinking today. How are you doing, Josh? Doing good, man. You having a good week? Yeah, it's been really busy, but great. There you go. Well, today we have some hot topics Let's go. that I want to talk We're about. We're going to get crispy and fried. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm just, just going <laughs> to move on mentally. It's been, I, move, I moved on. Sure. All right. So we're going to talk about the independent fundamental Baptist mm -hmm. movement. The IFBs. <clears throat> the IFBs. And there's a very interesting video that just surfaced up for us that we want to talk about, um, not just for entertainment value, but <laughs> because we think there's really pressing issues that are worth discussing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's jump in. Okay, this is Pastor uh, Michael Easter. Uh, yeah, we're just going to let the video talk. All right. You know what to help most independent fundamental Baptists recover from, this, from, from the hardships they have in church is that a man take his little wife home and when his little wife starts complaining about everything going on, because that's where the problem starts. Men, listen, men, most men come to church and sit down in the pew and half listen and half take a break from their wife to begin with. That, that, most men are not going to get mad in church because they're not even fully there. They're just taking a break from loudmouth. You think that ain't true? That's true. And when you get home and your wife starts talking to you about moving your membership and I can't stand how Brother Mike is or I can't stand how Brother Allen is and I wish he'd do it this way. Listen, even if she's right, the preachers that, that pastor most churches around this country have faults. But you'd be a, it'd be a good idea when your wife starts that, I just don't like this, I just don't like that, for you to turn around and look her right in her God-given eyeballs and say, shut your mouth. Just shut up! That'll help your house recover. That'll help your house cover. Uh, that, that'll help you. Yeah, that'll help your house recover. It might cover you over with six feet of dirt. But if you're the man you ought to be, you'd have been doing that all along. You're supposed to lead your house. You're not supposed to follow her. She's going to make exactly, listen, I don't care if she's full of the Holy Ghost, the greatest woman you've ever seen. She works off of those emotions. That's where she lives, right there in her emotions. And she's not going to respond right to everything that comes across the pulpit. But she ought, listen, if you've been married, any, matter of fact, before you even get married, you ought to make sure you're marrying somebody that can at least open her ears and listen and be led by you. And if... And uh, let's just flip that around. If you're going to marry a man, I would suggest you marry somebody that's willing to lead you in the right direction. That's right. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to let you uh, 
start with this one? Sure. Well, so the, there's, I think there's some value in setting up some context here, okay. right? Because I think when we see these kinds of clips online, there is kind of a uh, proclivity to write them off as, you know, these don't really, this is kind of like the small, not a big deal kind of, you know, blah, 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 blah. We tend to marginalize and minimize uh, some like of these this conversations. Doesn't actually happen. Well, just that it's like a fringe thing, right? Oh, like it's right. just, you know, these people are weird and they're just crazy and they just kind of exist in their own little corner and, yeah. you know, they don't really play with anybody else, that kind of thing, right? And right. so here's just some um, figures, kind of interesting things to be aware of, right? So IFB church membership numbers somewhere around 800,000 people uh, in America as of 2014. Uh, That's so I know a lot. That's almost a million people. Yeah, it's half the size of JWs, right? And, and so... You know, it's like JWs have a Jehovah's known, Witnesses. yeah, Jehovah's Witnesses have a known presence in America there. And so they're in that same conversation. Uh, That's a lot. The IFB's website, right, lists its core doctrine as things like salvation by faith alone, once saved, always saved, uh, King James Bible only, Trinity, soul winning, uh, hard preaching, they call, right? Hard to preach. Yeah, it's literally That's in quotes, hard preaching. Uh, so I would imagine that this would be an example of that, right? Okay. Uh, pre-wrath, post-trib rapture, and opposition specifically to things like Calvinism, uh, which, you know, they're going to get some things right. Uh, dispensationalism, liberalism, and Zionism, whatever those things are. Right? <laughs> uh, and they have also expressed uh, anti-Catholic sentiment, anti-Mormon sentiment, and promoted a new world order conspiracy theories. And okay. the new IFB specifically is strongly opposed to things like uh, homosexuality with several pastors advocating for the belief that homosexuals should be executed. So... We're not, Wow. I mean, we're not talking about a group that is like coherently stable, right? Just as people. <laughs> and so when you come across a video like this, uh, we'll put this in the category of hard preaching, right? <laughs> and so for me, what's weird about this is like the first person, I don't know if people notice, but if you go back and listen, the first person to say amen to the teaching is a woman, right? That's <clears throat> yeah. the first voice you hear uh, on the on the clip. And so I get really confused at the idea of what it's got to be like to sit in that position as a female, right? Like I hear this and it makes my skin crawl. It's hard to fathom what it's got to be like to be a woman in, in that. And so I, right, you, we were kind of joking earlier, there's like a Stockholm syndrome kind of feel, but I'm genuinely curious at what you think it takes to be able to sit in, you know, kind of a tutelage like that or a t yeah. uh, under that kind of leadership and be okay with that. Like, what do you think goes into that for a person's religious conditioning in order to be okay with that kind of experience? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to pretend to be a sociologist right, or, or right. So social psychologist. I, I, so I'll ask this first. Are the IFBs concentrated in any, like, area? They're all over the country. They have some, uh, a couple in Canada, some in the Philippines there. So really? Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So it's so the most, the most famous one is probably in Arizona. Uh, it's a, it's a pastor, um, Stephen something. I forget his last name right now. It escapes me, but gotcha. uh, a big online <clears throat> following, right? Tens of thousands of subscribers on his YouTube channel, okay. like but huge it's, online. It's big presence. enough to where people in this denomination would have some sort of awareness of, yes. um, other ideas. Yes. And also how world. they're viewed from the outside. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So you would assume that there's at least some capacity for self-awareness. Yes. Where it's not like, well, this is all I've known. So this has to be it. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. That being the case, I think that's tough. Um, so I, I think this is abusive. Mm -hmm. I'll be clear about that. I think the perspective is wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it is, a, an embarrassing, uh, actually infuriating mm -hmm. use of the Bible as an authority to to say things like that, right? Um, so, I mean, things that come to mind is like, first of all, for this leader, like, are you married? 
Yeah, sure, sure. Um, <laughs> sure. Like, in what world, in what reality do you see your relationship dynamic mm-hmm. functioning like that? Where you get to yell at someone else, like, shut your mouth because I said so. Like, dude, that hasn't flown since kindergarten. Yeah, no, that's a very that's a very good point. Particularly, like, when he pays homage to the idea that it's like yeah they could bury you in six feet of dirt it's like so you're you're literally saying right like that you understand on one level at least that your words could get you in a lot of trouble with your wife and you're still going to move forward with that kind of language anyway and then chalk it up to saying like hey this is how you should have been running your household all along right right? and so i really have that's confusing yeah yeah and i've spent a lot of time as we've been kind of prepping for this trying to figure out and really put my mind Uh, or myself in the mind of somebody who kind of functions in this type of theology, right? Mm -hmm. And it has to say several things about your hermeneutic, right? Basically the way that you live out your faith there. And it's like, God has to be this like angry, Mm -hmm. malicious, right? right? Like, like kid who sits on an anthill with the magnifying glass kind of mentality. And I don't know, I don't know what you do with that when it's compared and juxtaposed in the person of Jesus, right? So it's like, when you see that, like the... Uh, the embrace that Jesus has for people just in general, mm-hmm. right? And, and the self-sacrifice that he models throughout the totality of the gospels. And then you move into this theology. I don't know how you can square those types of things. And so I, I watch, I watched a bunch of these, right? There's actually a whole Twitter that's just devoted to these things called bad preacher clips. Yeah. Uh, it is both hilarious and sad and, yeah, en- yeah, and yeah. enraging. And so as I just kept scrolling through them, right, there was a guy like yelling about long hair, Right there was a guy who was yelling about people who do the splits, and, and yeah, yeah, and so it's like all of these things. That it's like, how do we share the same fundamental reality? Like, how are we both existing on this plane of existence at the same time? Like, I don't know where to put any of that. Yeah, yeah. So some of this, like, it stops being funny pretty quick. Yeah, of course. Um, and it it's also like confusing because it's like I don't know where to start with someone like this. Right, it, right. It it just. Before we move on to the actual breaking down of, okay, what is he referring to right. when he says leadership, head, man? Yeah, those terms are in the Bible. Let's talk a little bit about those. Mm-hmm. Um, it just strikes me as like not a healthy person or not, not a healthy posture to have. Right. To walk around thinking that um, you can push people around or bully them or that, that your job is somehow to keep things in order because if you don't, it's going to fall apart. Like imagine living in a world where you think you're keeping things together and that this, this spouse that you have, right? This covenant partner is a threat yeah, yeah, to that. Yeah. That, that would be like a really miserable life to live. Well, and I think it's a, I think it's a, uh, a literal living out of like a God complex in there, right? Because what you've just described is like, God is the one who holds all things together. Right. Right. And so if you are the, uh, the restorer and the bringer and the keeper of order mm-hmm. in your home, in your universe, whatever that looks like there. And you have the ability to subjugate if need be, right? right or punish if need be, right? Whether it's, I mean, that's verbal abuse. Yeah. There's no doubt about it there. So that's a form of punitive, you know, kind of uh, punishment. And so if you've got that ability, those are all things that are reserved for God in the scriptures there. And so it elevates you as a man to a place that is, I think dangerous, right? It's like kind of flying too close to the sun, as it were. Yeah. And, and and so I don't quite know where to put that other than just like the inflated sense of self in these kinds of things. And so uh, it's just a very peculiar thing to me, especially because he admits that like your wife could be filled with the, the Holy Ghost and could be the most like great Christian you've ever seen and yeah. could be com- rightfully complaining about the pastor. 
and you're still supposed to look her in her eyes and tell her to shut up. Yeah. And it's like, but all of those things that you just said could be like real and good things. Like what if God is using that? Like, like it seems to limit yeah. the ability that God has right. to use the wife in the marital covenant. And I, and I don't know where, where to put that right. there because if you're both equal before Christ, I don't know how you defend that. Like not even just exegetically or not, you know, all of those things, but just like logically, I don't know how you defend that right. as a cohesive position. So this is very inconsistent for sure, but let's spend a few minutes on the actual passage in Ephesians 5, 21 sure. and 22, where the Bible seems to point out some directives about male leadership. Yeah. And then we can parse out where people actually disagree on this and what a healthy perspective on male leadership would look like um, if that is a position someone yeah. were to hold. Yeah. So I'll, I'll read the verse uh, for you real quick. Okay. It says Ephesians 5, 21, 22, uh, 5, 21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands, uh, or submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. And so, and then it'll go on and talk about how, you know, we're supposed to submit to each other and the different ways that we do that and kind of what that all uh, looks like here. And so I want to set this up for you and kind of get your thoughts on on this following section that we're going to talk through here. All right. uh, Because all of these conversations come down to an appeal to creation, right, and the created order in which men and women were created in Genesis and the order in which they were created and how Eve was created, right? It all comes back to the creation story in some kind of way, shape, or form in a lot of this. Are you talking about, like, complementarianism? Yeah, the the role that men and women play in relationship to each other as established by God in the marital covenant, right? Yes, yes. And and so what I think is really interesting here uh, is a woman is created out of— Eve is created out of Adam, right? And she's considered to be the helpmate uh, Mm -hmm. of Adam. And and in Western culture, we have done a lot uh, to kind of narrow the scope of that and kind of what that means and kind of what that is talked about here. Yeah. And so— uh, you are a professor of Old Testament, right? And this is kind of your your wheelhouse. And so I'm curious to hear your take on this. And so I want to read this for you. Okay. Uh, and so in the Hebrew, the term for helpmate is Ezer Konegdo, right? And we've mm-hmm. talked about this before. Uh, the noun Ezer is used 21 times in the Hebrew Old Testament. So twice it's used in the context of Eve, the first woman. So three times out of that, it's used for people uh, helping or failing to help people, but particularly in life-threatening situations. And here's the big one. 16 different times it's used in reference to God as helper, and Mm -hmm. particularly in situations of God helping Israel, I believe, right? And so uh, the idea here is, uh, I think as the argument would go, without exception, these biblical texts are talking about a vital, powerful kind of help. And then when you have the word konegdo, right, there's all of these kind of different things that get attached to it. So without getting into like the weeds of the word, basically... Uh, it's an idea where the notion is this person is a helpmate like alongside of or inside of or opposite to, right? It's like this inseparable preposition, uh, which means like according to, uh, and it gives this connection, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's basically uh, the notion of being uh, deeply intertwined with, you know, and moving alongside of. And yeah. so uh, what do you think of that just in terms of as somebody, because I think you would identify identify as somebody who's a complementarian, right? We've talked through this before, uh, um, at least I in some levels. I don't know anymore. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah. you did at a certain point. I did at a certain there, point. Sure, sure. And that's fine. Yeah. Uh, and so welcome to the dark side uh, of being an egalitarian. Uh, and, and so as somebody who's kind of moved or has, you know, feet in those worlds, how do you think uh, this kind of terminology yeah. plus the Ephesians 5 passage mm-hmm. gets played out in a healthy way for somebody who might maintain this, like, more historically held position over it, without it turning into the a-hole that we just watched yeah, in, yeah, you know, yeah. in that Twitter So kind of what do I think healthy complementarianism sure. would look like theologically? Sure. So the first thing I would say is, uh, and this, this struck me the first time I heard it, I had a professor 
walk us through some of the grammatical mm-hmm. issues that you're doing right now with the Hebrew word. So his translation was powerful ally. Okay. So we use in the English words like help me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if there's what other terms are used in different English translations, but it, it always seems to be kind of a uh, dismissive um inferior yeah it feels less than sometimes right yeah exactly um, like Im- Im- implied maybe yeah <clears throat> but he said no that that word should be translated as a powerful ally mm. uh, like god is israel's powerful ally right right it's the same term right mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. i'm pretty compelled by the grammatical argument from that standpoint although it doesn't really solve the issue of if is there a hierarchy is there a a conferred authority yeah it doesn't really solve that issue sure but sure. So um, what I would say is that to make the best case possible for complementarianism, you have to be able to say uh, Deborah in in Judges, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, here Eve as the powerful ally, uh, Phoebe, Uh and these countless examples. I think you have to be able to say these aren't just monkey wrenches. They're not like, whoops. Uh, somebody somewhere was failing, so we had to get in a backup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be consistent, you have to be able to say that it seems to be God's plan always that to use women mm-hmm. in the in these roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the parsing or the line of distinction is: Did God intend for those leadership roles that we see over and over again to actually be in an elder yeah. capacity? Yeah. Or preaching capacity. And like we can debate that till the sure. cows come home sure, sure, sure. about how much is that cultural? How yeah. much was that just something in Ephesus? Um, was Junia an apostle or right. was she not? So on and so forth. But m- my biggest thing is to to the people in my circles, right, where these complementarians are, I would say I think we strengthen our position more when we leave the defensive, like, no, this is what you can't, this is what you can't, this is what I, what women can't do, and more like, no, 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 but look at all the things that God did make women to do, uh-huh, and uh-huh. the ways that uh, women contributed, contribute to the witness of the resurrection, to the witness of the gospel w- with Paul and all these other things. If anything, I think that strengthens more of uh, a position, and the best ex- ex- explanation I've heard from somebody is their reading of the New Testament is that the economy of the church in the New Testament seems to be like the economy of the family mm. where the elders are like, um, like, like fathers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and where the, in that case, the women are like the nurturing mothers. Uh-huh. And so does that mean that there's no teaching capacity? No, like women should be teaching yeah, and yeah, they yeah. should be teaching in a lot of capacities. Uh-huh. Um, again, that, that the litmus test is not elders though. Sure. And so again, like, arbitrary or not, we can debate that separately, but I find that to be a helpful perspective on that. Like I said, um, I'm kind of agnostic on yeah, it now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's fine. So so, so there's a full nuanced conversation that yeah. we just had in five minutes, yeah. uh, which is something I, I would be willing to bet my bottom dollar that this guy has never had, yeah. right? Uh, and so the last question here as we kind of wrap up, like yeah. what do you think things like this do for religious trauma and harm. Oh, man. Like a, kind of a pastoral concern here, somebody who's worked with people yes, who've been burned. Yes, I would burned. be very, very concerned. Because uh, the number one thing that I get is, you know what sucks about complementarianism? That it's such a, a yeah. turbocharger. <laughs> that you're this guy. <laughs> for, for abuse. Yeah and, yeah, and like And that's not funny. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Domestic abuse, verbal abuse, like that's real. Yes. Um, and power dynamics like religion that can shield authorities from accountability yep. are... 
uh, turbochargers, they're catalysts for abuse. Yeah. And that is never, ever, ever acceptable. We were just talking about, yeah. like, isn't it weird when churches say things like, don't call the police, we'll handle it yeah. on our own? Yeah. Like, it's cultish. Yes. It's weird. Yeah. Um, and so my biggest concern is that if you're going to hold to something like complementarianism, if you believe that the Bible, and particularly in the New Testament, is calling for a unique leadership role in males, then you better be the kind of servant who's going to put down his life and his interests yeah, yeah. every single time for the woman and the people you serve. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you have no business advocating for this position. Yeah, all. yeah. And like I said, I'm, I don't even sure if, if I'm in that camp anymore. Right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah, that's powerful, man. That's really, really powerful stuff. Yeah. So what do you guys think? Leave us a comment. Um, we certainly hope that if you you know recognize or identify some of these patterns you would be able to point them out yes for sure in a safe space uh we we definitely don't take that lightly um, religion should never be a shield for abuse yeah so um we look forward to hearing from you guys and we'll see you next time on kingdom thinking on our next hot topic mm-hmm.